You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. I showed you last week about moving my mountain and the, and the, and the, the story of the disciples and the donkey. How many of you have heard it online or were here last Sunday? How many of you don't know the story of the disciples and the donkey? Okay, so we'll recap for like for 30, for, 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 for 30 seconds. But for me, what does it look like to not just, what does it look like to actually be the church? Be, it's a doing word. We can't just rock up and leave. We have to be doing something to be the church, especially in a world where culture has been flipped upside down, where so much of life has been flipped upside down. And I'll show you from Luke 19, 28. And it says, after telling the story, Jesus went towards Jerusalem and went ahead of his disciples. And I'm saying two things. One, after telling what story? The story that Jesus was telling was there was this king. And this king gave to his, um, to his, um, to those that he entrusted, to, to those around him, he, he entrusted his good and his valuable possessions. He said, I want you to take care of these, these things. I don't want you to squander them. I want you to invest them. I want you to use them. And I'm going to come back and see what you have done with investment that I've entrusted you to this. And it's, it's hugely important because later on Jesus leaves and he entrusts us with his treasured possessions. And he said, I'm going to come back. But what have you done? What are you doing with the things that I've entrusted you to? And then the other thing is he says, and he sent on two disciples. And we don't even know the names of these disciples. These two obscure people had to go ahead. They had to go into the village and go and untie a donkey, a wild, untamed donkey. And then Jesus says, and if they ask you what you do, just say, the Lord wants it. So these two people, I'm sure, would have been totally frustrated. Because this is their moment. Jesus has called them. Jesus is giving them an assignment. They've seen bread and fish multiply. They see what Peter's done. They see all these amazing things. They go, yes, this is my moment. And Jesus says, go and bring me an ass. And you go, no, seriously, that's for Leanne. You know, like, this is you. Give me something. I'm the man at the hour. You know, give me something more important to do. And then the other thing is, Jesus sends him ahead. So first of all, as, as immature believers, we follow Jesus, we follow Jesus, we begin to hear his voice, we begin to know him, we begin to understand him, we begin to grow and mature. But there's a sign of maturity when you go ahead. You know, I was saying earlier, I was saying last week that when your kids are two years old, it can be quite cute when they hug at your knee. But when they're 18 and 19 and they're still hugging at your knee, it only means they want money. You know, and it's no longer cute. When they are mature, they need to go off and do their own thing. And I really believe that Jesus is saying to us, I'm giving you an assignment. I want you to go ahead of me. I want you to go and do something, and I am going to be right there with you. Because he commissions us to go. He sends us. And so as believers, we need to know and understand his voice. We need to be able to hear what Kathy Delahunt is saying to us on Thursday night. And we need to be able to go knowing that as we are commissioned and as we are sent and as we have assignment, that Jesus will be there right with us. Jesus gives him this, assi- this assignment. There is this donkey. Won't you bring it to me? And my default, as I said, would have been, oh, Lord, send the kids, send somebody else. But they reacted with radical obedience. 
Do we respond and react and embrace with radical obedience when God has called us to do something? Because this isn't just worship. This was an act of protest. This was warfare. They were going on ahead to bring something that Jesus has called them to bring. Sunday mornings is a violent engagement. It is far easier to log in online and to be able to watch versus attending and being able to participate. And I do understand that there are people who watch because they cannot get here. Now, I think if there's just so many different places. Louise de Merodac is online from, um, from uh, Cape Town. There's people online from, from Durban, people online from, from the UK. And so they, they, you, you just can't get here. But if you can get there and be of kingdom and goodness and breakthrough and warfare, we wake up on a Sunday morning. I woke up this, this morning in, at, at, at Timeshare in the mountains. Okay? I cannot wait for this morning. I cannot wait to get together for iron to sharpen iron to encourage and exhort. Why? Because this is my act of warfare. Your breakthrough this week becomes my breakthrough this week because together we co-labor and we contend for one another until we all have our breakthrough. I wonder how many times we do not say yes to God because the things He's called us to do seem absurd. How many times we don't pray and contend for things because it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Lord, why should I pray for that? It's just ridiculous. You know, and God's saying, but that's why you should pray for it. You know, how often do I disregard the leading of the Holy Spirit because it doesn't fit into my box or my paradigm or even my theology? Lord, you wouldn't want me to do that, surely. You know, and then we put God in a box and we go, well, this cannot be God because God doesn't think like that. That's not what God's plans are. That's not the heart of God. That's not kingdom. So if it doesn't fit into our box, we ignore it. If we don't put, if God doesn't fit into our box, we ignore it. And I honestly believe that if we don't understand the times and know what to do, that we're going to miss out in so much of what Holy Spirit is calling us to in being able to realign, rebuild, and redefine what it means to be a radical disciple of Jesus and not just a churchgoer. Their worship was costly. Because whilst they were in the crowd worshiping Jesus, at the same day, uh, some days later, the same crowd were the people shouting to crucify him. So if we don't understand that worship has a cost, that worship is a sacrifice, if we don't understand what it is that Holy Spirit is calling us to go and untie and bring back to Jesus, if we don't understand our assignment and our mission and what our purpose is in the greater picture we get lost up in the crowd we get lost up in the podcast we get lost up in what's happening out there and we get carried on the crowd but whenever Jesus moves there are a group of people who celebrate and there's a group of religious people who debate and it's so easy for us to be moved by a crowd who celebrate one moment and debate whether this is God the next moment and the only thing that distinguished and differentiated them from the crowd was that they had thrown their hoodie, they had thrown their garment, they had thrown their jacket 
onto the donkey. They had publicly said, I am with this guy. I am with Jesus. They had taken off their identity. They had taken off their wealth. They had taken off what meant the most to them. They had taken off their jackets and thrown it at the foot of Jesus and publicly said, I am with this man. In a sense of radical obedience and sacrificial worship, are we prepared to take off what we have been given and throw it at the foot of the ass and say, we are building kingdom. We are with Jesus. We are with this group of people. We are with Real Life Church. We are with our city. We are with our nation. We are with whatever it is so that we can make a difference. I honestly believe that this is a word for the church today. I honestly believe that this co- this workshop that we're going to be doing, the renew all, so we're going to renew all, everything, the renewal workshop that is running on Thursday nights, gives us this opportunity to understand what the assignment of the church is and how we play a part of it. We have to move beyond worship that is just singing to worship that is sacrificial, to worship that costs something and I salute you for arriving this morning or logging on this morning because the reality is Jesus never asked us to worship him he asks us to follow him and following Jesus costs something the reality is following Jesus costs everything well done Leanne there are people who are listening to this message this morning And I believe some of us need to come under a deep sense of conviction or introspection where we have been worshipping Jesus in a crowd and being carried on by the corporateness of something that's happening. And it can even be the corporateness of negativity, the corporateness of passivity, the corporateness of social isolation and social distancing where we have not become personally invested in what king and kingdom is doing at the moment. We're living off the old manner that is rotten and of no use any longer instead of understanding the fresh manner and mandate of the church and the believers and you and I today. I believe there are so many people who were personally invested and have diminished this significantly. Some of the shaking and shifting that will be happening in the church going forward will be an incredible sense of the privilege of sacrificial worship. Now, and sacrifice, now, I just, you know, hats off to, to Mark, to, um, to Neville, to Francois, to the team who have risen up above and beyond what even I have done. And, and, you know, I'm just saying because they've done so much more in the feeding schemes and taking real life into the communities and, and seeing the kingdom of God come in, in the poorer communities over the lockdown period. And that is sacrificial worship. We, we don't necessarily wake up and say, I can't wait to go and spend five hours in the sun today. I can't wait to go and distribute muesli. I can't wait to go and do that. But we say, actually, this is my sacrificial act of worship this morning. This is warfare. I'm going to take muesli into communities that are hungry as a declaration of love. God is looking for those who have radical obedience. No matter how absurd... It may be. God is looking for those who are personally invested where worship costs something. The reality is feeling the presence of God is amazing and I just I love feeling the presence of God when I can feel the presence of God in a room or in a garden. It is so delightful. 
but maybe we need to feel more than the presence of God. We need to engage with the presence of God. I reminded how his disciples worshipped and followed him, where their following him was an act of warfare that cost something. And Jesus' disciples, and I'm talking about those of 2,000 years ago, not just those who arrived yesterday, because Jesus' disciples they understood the price of following Jesus. And there are many people around the world today who really do know the price of laying things down and following Jesus. It cost them their reputation. It cost them their finances. It cost them their time. And for so many people, it cost them their lives. In Western Christianity, we've redefined worship, worship and diluted into something that Jesus never wanted it to be. One of the things that I really enjoy from this passage in Luke 19 is that these disciples were unwavering in their assignment. Jesus wants a donkey. Uh, even if I feel like an ass, I'm going to go and get an ass. I'm going to go and bring my donkey to Jesus. They had every reason to question it. Why me? Why now? Why can't I just go get a war horse? Why can't I go get a stallion? Why does it have to be a donkey? And I think it's important that we as followers of Jesus know our assignment, no matter how big or small we perceive it to be. And when Jesus asks us to bring something, we say, yes, Jesus, I will bring whatever it is that you want. I think one of the things I mentioned just a moment ago that separates the disciples from the crowd is that disciples get assignments. How many of us get frustrated where we just don't have an assignment? God, what is it that you want me to do? I'm not saying, what is it you want me to do with my life? You know, I'm saying, what is it you want me to do this month? What is you wanting me to do this season? What is my assignment for this day? Jesus, where are you sending me this morning? Now, sometimes I think as believers, we, we are so lost in the crowd and the general and the broad strokes that we miss out on the opportunity of doing kingdom because we don't necessarily ask the right questions. Jesus, what is it that you want me to do this morning? What's my assignment for this morning? What donkey must I go and untie for you this morning? And when I go and do what it is that you call me to do and somebody says, why on earth are you doing it? I reply, because Jesus sent me. What is my assignment for today? And having an assignment and a personal mandate isn't an excuse not to be part of the crowd. Well, maybe not be part of the crowd, but be part of the community. Because our assignments combined is what brings community. It brings kingdom to earth. Because my assignment and your assignment is part of the bigger picture. Your assignment is an act of warfare. Your assignment today, if you choose to accept it, is an act of spiritual warfare. It's part of God's mandate and God's mission. Your assignment, together with all of our assignments, together ensures that His bride is radiant, that His bride is glorious, that His bride is beautiful, 
I said that very Afrikaans, beautiful, or like Mark, beautiful, beautiful. That his bride is beautiful and glorious and radiant to such an extent that people are attracted to her. Isn't it just amazing when people are attracted to a church, you generally find that church is a glorious reflection of a whole lot of people doing unselfish, radical acts of obedience and sacrifice. What is it that Jesus has asked me to untie? I might not get my name in the book. I might be an unnamed disciple who fetched the donkey for Jesus to ride into town and claim his kingdom. But friends, I want to be fully, faithfully, and radical to the assignment that he's given me. We must move from just following Jesus to knowing what our assignment is, that Jesus will follow us. We need to move beyond passion. I love passion. I love it when I see passionate people. I love leading a group of passionate people. But we need to get beyond passion into vision. Because passion is when you feel God. I want to feel God. I want Him to feel passion for my nation. I'm wanting to be more passionate about my nation. I'm wanting to be more passionate about the lost. I'm wanting to be passionate about justice and just understanding the, the huge tide that is turning with regard to kingdom justice being unleashed and unlocked in our nation today. I want to be passionate about women being able to take their rightful places as people of authority and power and purpose in every single part of our nation. I want to be passionate about these things. But friends, at the end of the day, passion alone will not transform our world. We cannot stand before Jesus one day and say, but Lord, I was passionate at least. I was loud. I was vocal. I posted a lot and I tweeted a lot. You could see I was passionate. We've got to remove from passion to vision, which is assignment and knowing what you have called to do, not just the fervor, in which you do it. Vision is when you actually do the things that God has called you to do. And it's not being passionate because God has given you an assignment, but vision is saying, I'm going to make that assignment be grounded. I'm going to fulfill my assignment. Be it my assignment for today, for this week, for this month, for my year, for my quality, for my city, for my nation, for the world beyond. I have an assignment. I have many assignments. Imagine if every week we showed up and rocked up together and we were able to discuss and dissect and grade our assignments in the same way that we do with our teenagers. And I said to my kids, bring me your assignment. And I know if assignments are good because I get a WhatsApp photograph straight from school to show that so-and-so got an A. If I don't get the WhatsApp photograph, I know that the assignment 
was not good. So before anybody walks in our door at home, I have my, my, my gauge going as to this is going to be good feedback or this is something that is going to be avoided. You know, how well did you do in your assignment? Was your assignment good? Was your assignment graded? Was your assignment what you hoped? Are you proud of your assignment? And instead of just taking our, our assignment under, underground, imagine if we got together on Sunday mornings and because we are family and community, we know and we understand one another's assignment. And then we can say to, to Candace, Candace, how is this assignment going? And it's not just you have one, you do multiple assignments, but Candace, how is this assignment going with what you're doing? And Candace goes, it is going so well. I go, I just want to blow wind into your cells. I want you to encourage you. I'm so glad. And then sometimes people come back and say, I'm finding it difficult with my assignment. So one of my children at the moment has just gone for, for, for extra maths lessons. I'm going, your assignment is li living up to expectation. So how can I help with your assignment? What is it that I can do to contribute to you doing your assignment well? Can I help with some time? Can I help with some strategy? Can I help with some finances? Can I pray? Can I drop off a meal with you so that you have time to do your assignment? Your hand's assignment at the moment is your hand. Get strong. Get healed. Recover. Find some muscle somewhere. And so my ability to help your hands and our ability to help your hand is to drop off a frozen meal and for us to be able to take, take and say, Johan, I don't want you to worry about cooking. I want you to worry about your assignment. Your assignment is to get better. My assignment is to help you get better. And so when we get together and we talk about our assignments, we can say, how can I, or I'm saying, actually, my assignment this week is disastrous. I just need someone to help me this week. Who can help me with my assignment? Surely that is what kingdom is about. Surely that is what, what heaven is about. Surely that is what the brethren getting together to encourage and exhort so that all of our assignments are fulfilled, that the kingdom will be glorified and his church will look glorious. The non-safe people that I'm in contact with are mesmerized by what happens in our garden with the feeding scheme. Now, Mark sent me some snapshots and some videos yesterday, and I just looked through them going, I think that half the people doing outreach, half the people doing church, half the people doing kingdom, half the people doing real life vision here yesterday have never been to a real life meeting. But they are invested in this assignment. Why? Because there's something beautiful there's something attractive, there's something real, there's something relevant, and there's something radical about what is taking place. And that's because together we say, okay, how do we help this assignment? I can give two hours, I can give six tons of muesli, I can give four tons of potatoes, I can give plastic bags, I've got two hands and one hour. How can I help this assignment? How many of us look at a prophetic word and weigh up a prophetic word on the size of a person giving it and not on the size of the God behind it. How many people get a prophetic word from a child? How many people get a prophetic word from the non-prophetic person and go, oh, if only Julian Adams had given me a word. If only Candace Rousseau had given me a word. If only Kathy had given me a word. You know, the thing is, like, I don't know anyone who says, I wish Stu would give me a word. You know, it's like, do you want a word? No, it's okay, I'm in line for Candace. Are you sure? 
actually no. You know, and, 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 and see, sometimes Candice is completed and doesn't have a word to give, and somebody else has a word to give, and we stand in a queue for somebody who's got nothing to give just because of, a, you know, I'm not just honoring Candice, I, I, I'm honoring Candice. Um, you know, and so, and people stand in, in a queue from a, a you know, a, an incredible person who operates in the gift of prophecy as, as a prophet, but they won't take a word from somebody who's a nobody and where God has given that. So sometimes we even take our prophetic words and the value and the weight we put behind them is so dependent on the name. These nameless disciples who went to go and fetch an ass and they remained nameless forever. As I said last week, we don't even have in Sunday school, we have you know, David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den, you know, Jonah and the whale, the nameless disciples and the ass. It just doesn't feature anywhere. And I don't want to be the person who doesn't feature anywhere. But Lord, change my attitude. So that's my mandate. I'll be the nameless person who provides the vehicle that ushers in the kingdom of glory to Johannesburg, to Douglasdale, to Gauteng, and to my city. The word for each of us this morning is that God is calling us to reevaluate our faithfulness, our fervor, our acts of worship and warfare. Be it with a teaspoon, a soup spoon, or a bucket. What may seem insignificant to you could be a lifeline to somebody else. Or God would not have released that word or that assignment. Do not become fixated or infatuated by how big or small things appear, but be faithful with the fact that they appeared from God, that God has entrusted you with something of value and He's going to expect a return on His investment. And as we carry the small things in the kingdom of God, we discover that it's all the small things together that build up the kingdom. I love real life. I am passionate about real life. I am committed to real life. My vision is for real life. But the beauty of real life is that we are building in a way that everybody has a place, everybody has a purpose, and everybody has an assignment. It is not a hierarchical structure but a kingdom family. Mother Teresa said, we do not do great things for God, but we do small things with great love. It's a mustard seed moment with mustard seed faith over and over again. It's your small moment followed by another small moment followed by another small moment that builds character perseverance, tenacity, and strength. And together, they build kingdom. God lives in the small things. God lives in the everyday things. God loves our commitment, our character, our worship, and our warfare. Friends, how is it that God takes on human flesh lives on earth for 30 odd years, he dies, is raised again, and only a handful of people know about it. 
So even the two disciples that are walking away go, how can you not know that Jesus has been crucified and Jesus himself just continues to walk with them? People didn't even know what had happened. This is the God who hides himself in the ordinary. Friends, my encouragement to us this morning, let's embrace our assignment no matter what it looks like. Because we love, we serve a God who revealed himself to kids, but hid himself from kings. Let's move our mountains. Let's find our mules, our donkeys, our asses, no matter how small they are. Let's be faithful, radical, and relevant. Because together, we are Real Life Church. And all the saints said, Glory and Hallelujah. Mark, absolutely, come forward. Really just such a confirmation, I think this... Um I actually do just want to release a prophetic word over us as Real Life Church. It's a word I actually released over friends and family at my 50th birthday uh, celebration. And I just I felt it was so relevant what Stuart was saying. I just wanted to release it over us as a community. And just in what Stuart was saying, I must say probably the best prophetic word that has encouraged me over the last, I don't know how many years, was probably from a 12-year-old girl in Durban uh, years ago. And it was the very first prophetic word she had ever spoken. She had never given a prophetic word before and it was in a small group. And it's a word that has so encouraged me that I go back to so often uh, to listen to. And it was a 12-year-old young girl. So I just I loved what you're saying about the nameless, um, very, very first prophetic word. And it was so incredible. It really rocked my life. And so I just want to release this over us as Real Life Church. I've been spending quite a bit of time in Song of Songs. And it's out of Song of Songs 2. It says, Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. And I just want to say over Real Life Church and over everybody watching, Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have come as you have asked to draw you into my heart and to lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. And I just want to decree over us, now is the time for Real Life Church and for each one of us. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. And I just want to prophesy over each one of us. The season has changed. The, the, the barrenness of your win winter has ended. The season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines have arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in the land. And it's just so apt that we're in the garden with all the birds around us. Filling the air with songs to awaken you. I really believe there's an awakening over us at this time to guide us forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny? I feel like the Holy Spirit's asking each one of us. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. And I just want to decree over us. There's a budding and a blooming of new life. There's change in the air. And so the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying again, Arise, my love, my beautiful companion. 
and run with me to the higher place. It's like Holy Spirit's wanting to take real life forward into a higher place at this time. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Won't you stand? Let's receive that. The scripture starts, won't you arise? Won't you adopt a position of, and a posture of just receiving? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We know that you are here. We know that you're always with us. We embrace you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, won't you allow our spirits to supernaturally engage with the spirit of prophecy that has been spoken over us to receive that prophetic word, that scripture, the word of heaven. And as we move through a post-pandemic season, we break off all the dryness, all the barrenness, all the isolation, all the frustration that has affected us, that we have embraced or identified with willingly or unwillingly and unconsciously. And we break it off now. Holy Spirit, the blooming and the blossoming dreams and assignments that you have for us, we receive them this morning in your glorious name. We receive our assignment, we receive our mandate, we go and we untie the donkey that you have asked us to untie. Won't you help us to understand and navigate the times and know what our assignments are? I thank you that you have entrusted us with things of incredible value. And we want to steward them with wisdom and with wonder. Because they are yours. Holy Spirit, won't you fall afresh on us this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus. We wait on you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord.
One of the things that I'm wanting to do is actually just break off a cycle of grief over us as a body and as a, as a church. One of the things that, that we don't actually realize that has happened in a, in a pandemic is that we've actually lost a year. So we go through emotions and cycles of anger, of, of unhappiness, of loneliness, of, of feeling okay. And we actually don't realize we're actually in grief. And we're going through the process and the cycles of grief because of so much that we've lost. So even as, as then as a church and as a body, it's almost like I cannot step into something that God has said. Even the prophetic word that was shared this morning, we actually feel we actually cannot step into it because we're actually in a cycle of grief. And the words that I kept hearing the Holy Spirit saying was, it is the time of mourning is over the song of joy needs to be released and it will be that stepping into the new season through a song of joy because the morning actually needs to stop so father we just come and we just release that over us as a body we release that over us as a church father that we no longer grieve what we have lost the expectations that we had for 2020 which did not come to fruition father and we have grieved that father we break that heaviness off of us now in the name of Jesus and we step and we celebrate the new that you actually have for us it's different it looks different and it is not what we wanted so we even lay down what we expected and what we wanted father to be able to step into that which you have for us and the new day that you have for us father so i just want to release and break off grief this morning that has come and settled over us as a people and as a body so that we can with freedom and joy step into the new day that you have for us father in jesus name Thank you, Lord. Let's not sit just yet. We need to be willing to do the absurd and the foolish things for God. As I think we just finish this off by let's just demonstrating a, a spirit of joyfulness. Let's let our bodies and our emotions come into alignment with the prophetic word that has been released and let's just whether it's like dancing around whether it's lying on your back and kicking your legs in the air whether it's laughing but let's just say actually lord we are willing to do the absurd and the obscure for you in your glorious name and for the sense of dignity and contradiction what i've just said i'm going to turn this off and say thank you so much for joining us Thank you for listening. 